0: Uh, as you know the topic uh, it's understanding water and its harvesting water is a huge crisis these days especially in our country and every news channel is talking about the stress that we have as far as the water is concerned so that is why we already have a Jal Shakti ministry in place to focus on the water and the water issues but uh, there are a lot of myths uh, in the water sector because. Water is something which is uh, very easily understood, 99% of us we say that water is simply H2O and uh, still we do not know a lot of things about water, so that's what we are going to discuss in the presentation today. First and foremost the, as we have seen we love numbers, so we talk about the numbers this uh, shows the the amount of stress that we have the underground water level is depleting the rivers are uh, drying Uh, the perennial rivers are converting into seasonal rivers Uh, then all the water bodies are uh, polluted to the extent that we cannot use that water for uh, drinking purpose or irrigation purpose or animal uh, for animal husbandry and things like that so I'll first go a bit faster because that is something that most of us already know if you have any queries you can raise your hand I will go slow there so this is something that everyone knows and the reason is also obvious we have higher usage and we have lower replenishment of water because we are just taking out water from the underground boring and all that and uh, the. Underground aquifer recharge is not in line with the amount of consumption that we have So obvious solution is we will recharge and replenish so that we can reuse But when we try to recharge this is what happens we try to desilt the water bodies and They again go dry We try to plant We have a plantation drive And then we go for rainwater harvesting systems with half of the time they don't work or wherever they work. They are still not recharging to the extent that uh, the balance is created. So in spite of all these efforts, end resultant is zero. We are still passed because all these activities have been happening for last over two decades. If this was actually working the today's stress situation wouldn't have arrived at all. The conventional ideas of rainwater harvesting, plantation drive, water body restoration and sewage treatment, all of them fail because of the basic ideology, the basic philosophy that water is a dead substance, we can treat it chemically, physically or biologically. This is where we go wrong because we don't understand water. Now if we go as per Indian science water is a living being there are five key elements to life one of which is water 70% of our body is water 70% of the planet is water and the basic uh, baseline which we need to understand is no dead substance can create life. And water is the key contributor towards life, even the astronauts when they are looking for life in the uh, planets uh, other than uh, Earth, they are primarily looking for water. If there is water, the life is possible on that particular planet, otherwise not. Here are the key examples of how rainwater harvesting fails. These are all newspaper clips. And these are from different states, it is not restricted to one particular state. Like this, 3 Sal Pele, this colony rain rainwater harvesting, Unko award boring Jawab This is uh, from uh, Jharkhand. Then we have from Ghazibar, which is Uttar Pradesh. Then we have from from Madhya Pradesh. And the plantation drive again, it is from Uttaranchal, it is from MP, it is from Jharkhand. So, it is there everywhere. Now, we are coming on to the water body restoration. I think it should be visible in the back. Yeah. yeah. So, there are three processes that we primarily involve for water body restoration. First is the mechanical dredging and uh, desilting. Into this, what we do is we first do decantation and then we put a JCB and we take out the sludge. Now management of the sludge is another problem and then we refill. Right? Now just a one acre lake which is about uh, uh, 3 to 5 meters deep will uh, have approximately a volume of 12 crore liters of water. So when we do a decantation this entire water goes waste. right? So that is one problem. And The sludge that we take out again that has to be managed what do we do with that sludge right so that is another problem Now in this entire process while the process is quite tedious and time taking and uh, it takes good amount of uh, machine work So obviously the tender value is also very high but then ultimately what happens is in a way we say that okay now this water body is clean, but what we have done is the in, in the name of removing the silt or the sludge, what we have done is the topsoil of the water body which is weathered for aquatic conditions that we have taken out. So now the new soil which will come up, it will take its own sweet time for getting weathered up for an aquatic ecosystem. So for good 2-3 years, the biodiversity of the said water body will stand still right so that's a problem with the mechanical dredging then we uh, come under the chemical process now chemical process we all know that every chemical reaction has its own pluses and minuses but bottom line is there is some residue now what happens to that residue there is no chemical process to remove that residue or consume that residue within uh, aquatic ecosystem right? and third is the biological process now to understand this you need to understand a little bit of uh, what uh, the previous speaker was explaining about uh, importing the Italian bees. So whenever you are putting in a new species into an ecological system it tries to create a space for itself. Now, in this process, it will harm some other species of of that particular ecology, right? So, ultimately, what we are trying to create is an ecological imbalance. Now, whenever we are doing a biological process, what we are primarily doing, doing the the most uh, uh, popular treatment is the cyanobacteria treatment. The cyanobacteria, we will culture in a lab and then we will put it into a water body. It will consume certain things. But it will also uh, disturb the ecology of that particular water body. So, there are pluses and minuses of each of the system uh, that happens in the water body restorations. So, in spite of restoring whatever number of water bodies we are trying to do uh, under Manrega and under various uh, Government of India schemes, things are still not getting to uh, the extent wherein... Uh, the the stress is kind of de-escalated or de-stressed, right. Now, one important case study for uh, the invasive species is uh, an interesting case study in US, wherein they have this uh, Yellowstone National Park, which is a restricted area and there is a very little habitation there, but uh, when uh, they had some sort of army testing or army installation going on, so they were Some people who were residing inside the national park and of course they had their own uh, agriculture and their livestock and things like that. So, there were a lot of wolves there. So, all those people who were living into the Yellowstone uh, uh, Park, they used to hunt for the wolves. Now, wolves hunting eventually resulted into drying of a river. That is a complete uh, video case study which is there. You can uh, log on to uh, YouTube and you can search for it but there is a delicate connect between all the species which are there into one ecological system, one uh, ecology and that is what once we disturb it then we later on we come to know that okay it has harmed something which is way beyond what we perceived it to be. Bottom line is water pollution is neither physics nor chemistry nor biology. It is an ecological problem And that is why it needs to be dealt with an ecological solution. Almost the entire government machinery believes that is uh, the sewage treatment plant or the effluent treatment plant. Now, here there is a a calculation mistake because the entire design of a treatment plant is based on the volume of water. Now, sewage is something which every individual... Irrespective of whether he is there in a rural area or an urban area, he will produce sewage. Every human being on a daily basis, taking a conservative estimate, generates about 33 liters of sewage. Now, human population is increasing. So, sewage production is going to increase. So, if you put up a sewage treatment plant, which is based on the volume of sewage generated, then of course, within... Uh, stipulated time frame, it is going to fail because the production of sewage will be beyond the treatment uh, capability of the plant. And that is what is happening everywhere. We had one sewage treatment plant in Dull Lake, then we had another one, then we had another one. Now three sewage treatment plants are working in Dull Lake and you can go and uh, check the quality of water of Dull Lake. It is still not normal in spite of having three different sewage treatment plants. So any technology of water treatment which is based on the volume of water is bound to fail because we cannot reduce the sewage production. Okay, Now there is another aspect to it which is uh, from our standards of water cleaning. Now Central Pollution Control Board has got three different standards of water. One is drinking water, another one is bathing water and third one is the STP outlet standard. If sewage Treatment Plant is supposed to clean the water, why can't we have a standard which is at least equivalent to the bathing water standards? That means there is a qualitative difference between the STP outlet and the bathing water. Then comes the capital expenditure, there is a huge capex. So half of the time in in uh, for the requirement of increasing the capacity either uh, the local government or the local body does not have the budget for expansion of the csc treatment plant or uh, if the budget is there it is not under the uh, the prescribed permission of the tendering authority that okay you have not taken approval from such and such authorities so that is why it is not scaling up and the sewage production is increasing on a daily basis so ultimately because of huge capex also most of the time a new installation fails and then we have a high opex also because everything is being done physically, chemically or biologically and everything has a cost. right? So ultimately if there is a technology which we know is going to fail in maximum about four years or five years and this is going to be required forever then that means we are investing into a wrong technology. So the problem is primarily we don't understand what we are dealing with. We don't know what is water, we don't know what is soil and we don't know what is air. Ultimately we don't understand the nature and that is why we are standing here wherein the government is talking about conservation of water but what we say is We need to generate water first to conserve it because we don't have enough water to sustain this entire operations of everybody living in this country for a very long time. So we need to generate water first so that everybody gets drinking water. Otherwise, this year we had one Chennai, we all know that on a global scale, number 1 position is ours here and even number 2 is ours which most of the people don't know that is calcutta the most parched city in the world is chennai and number 2 is calcutta and most beautiful part is that all the four major metros of the country are there in top 20 delhi is number 7th and mumbai is number 11 right and this is happening primarily because We are not understanding what we have to create and we are not understanding where we are lacking. So, now I come to the solution side. This is what everybody knew sitting in this hall. Now we are coming on to the side wherein this will be something new for most of the people. This is primarily the difference between the Vedic science and the Western science. Western science and Vedic science are different in the ideology. Like most of us would be knowing that the, the Vedic way of thinking does not have any conflict between the science and the philosophy. Right? But the Western thought process is that the philosophy or the religion is always against the science. Okay? So, the basic point is Western science is working on an ideology that we need to understand nature and we need to tame it. We need to take control. The Vedic science had placed nature uh, on a very high pedestal to the extent that we were worshipping nature. Western science says man is supreme and nature is a process. Vedic science says nature is supreme and man is just a component into that supreme gearbox. Okay. Western science says substances are dead and earth, water uh, and air all of them are substances. Our science says there are five key elements to life Chitijal, pava, Gagan, Samira. We all know, right? And they are the basic source of life. Without them, life is not practically possible. Okay. Western science says water is H2O, that we all know today. Soil is dirt, and air is a mix of gases. We say all of them, all the three components water, soil, and air are living beings. so that is where there is a huge difference in the Vedic science ideology and the Western science ideology. Now, we have tried almost everything from the Western science ideology in terms of treating the water or cleaning the water or restoring the environment and things like that right but We are very scared of the Vedic science because then you will be stamped as a particular section of people. So this is what we are going to understand here that the Vedic science is probably much more holistic than the Western science. And that is why this has got a solution for an ecological problem which is holistic. You cannot segregate ecology, you cannot recreate ecology in a lab. It has to be there with all the natural elements. This is just about understanding a closed ecosystem from the western science perspective to translate it into the Vedic science perspective. There was a research done on the number of human cells in human body. And they found out there are 37.2 trillion human cells. All multiple kind of cells put together the number of cells which are there into the human body which contribute towards the body functions are this much and then there was another research which was on the number of uh, microbes or the bacteria which are there into the human body which are independent of the human body functions they're not human cells they are the independent bacterias it was found to be 39 trillion cells. I have given the references of the research. You can Google it. You will find it. So this gives us an idea that what is keeping us alive. Is it these bacteria which are independent of our body functions? Or is it our own cells? Now, interestingly, the number of human cells of 37.2 trillion remains the same even in the dead human body. So, what is keeping us alive? Is it our own cells or is it the bacteria's? So, we consider ourselves living because of these. Now, the most interesting part is they exist in water, soil and air also. In probably much higher numbers. So, how can we consider those ecologies or those ecosystems as dead when we consider ourselves as alive? There has to be some balance in the parameters. So, this is defining the life in soil, water and air from a western perspective. I will cover it later in the upcoming slides in, in much further details. Now I am going to be specific to water because this presentation is all about water. Now let us try and understand it from both the perspective. Most of the people know that I understand water like back of my hand. It is H2O, two molecules, uh, two atoms of hydrogen and one of uh, oxygen. But most of the people don't realize that water doesn't obey the laws of physics. All substances on earth will shrink when they are condensed. Water expands when it is condensed. That is why ice floats on water, which is the condensed form, which is solidified. Now, water is probably the only thing that exists in all the three forms. And water has got its own force, which works against gravity. That is the buoyance force. No other substance is practically working against the laws of physics. Right? Now I'm coming on to the scientific community now. There are some scientists which are Western scientists doing a research on Western science and they supporting the Vedic science in when when they get their results. The first one is Victor Schaubeger. He is an Austrian forest caretaker. He was, actually he expired in uh, 1956 or 59. right? You can Google him, you will get to know about him. He was the first one from uh, the West who uh, propounded this theory that water does not just flow, water doesn't just fall. Water has a specific way of movement and that is spiral. Water always propels in a spiral movement. Then we have Marasu Imoto from Japan. Uh, he has done a wonderful research since 1982. He was trying to understand whether water reacts to the environment. And he has got a water crystal project, you can uh, Google it or you can search it on YouTube, you will find it. So what he did was, he placed a a bowl of water in a slaughterhouse and a bowl of water in a monastery. And then he created crystals out of it by taking just one drop and freezing it immediately and looking at under the microscope. And he could actually see the difference between the two crystals. So then he came up with this theory that water is able to understand the environment and water is able to respond. So water has got a stimulus to the environment. Then we have Jack Bevinti, again a, a, a French scientist. He was discarded from the scientific community because he came up with this idea that water can listen to what you speak okay and then we have dr luc monte he is again french and he started from where jack bevinte uh, left it that water can listen now because he is a, a nobel prize winner so he cannot be discarded just like that right so he also understood what are the parameters between which he has to do his research so he conducted the entire research on camera, right? he was the one uh, among uh, three who discovered the HIV virus. Now what he did was he took a strand of a, a HIV virus and put it into a test tube and then that test tube one drop was taken out and put into another test tube. Like this he diluted it 24 times which is uh, technically, as per the log table, it is equivalent to one drop in a ocean. And then he recorded uh, the sound waves out of that 24th dilution. And he made a wave file, which was sent by an email to another group of scientists in Italy. From, from Paris, it was sent to Milan. And there they downloaded this wave file and uh, played it on a speaker in front of another test tube, which was a local water in Italy, local tap water. Now, this test tube of water was listening for one hour that the same wave file which was sent from uh, Paris. And after one hour of listening to that, Wave file, when they tried to recreate a DNA, they got an HIV virus. Okay, that means water was not just able to listen, it was able to memorize and it was able to communicate and recreate the same virus, which was practically not possible, right? It is like you doing a research and telling me over the phone, and I am writing that the same research in another city so what is the difference between water and me right now this has been proven by the Western scientists what we have been talking for over 14,000 years in fact if you would have uh, attended a presentation of Nilesh Oak earlier he has gone to the extent of 24,000 years with all documentary oceanology and paleobotany and whatnot. There, there are about 18 different respects of science wherein he has proven that we are in the same landmass for at least 24,000 years. Now let us understand the water life cycle. What we learn in the school is the water cycle where life is missing. right? Now what we are going to understand now is the water life cycle. Now, we are tar- trying to recharge underground aquifer. And we assume that underground aquifer is a water reservoir. It is like normally in the apartments we have paniki tanki above your floor, and here nature always does opposite things. So they have made paniki tanki below where we are staying. Right? So that is our normal understanding, which is actually incorrect. There is no water reservoir below us, it is all flowing water. Like we have rivers on the top, we have rivers in the, below the soil also. Like we have oceans which we can see, there are oceans on which we are staying also. We don't know what is the mix of land and soil on the earth. Somewhere water is coming out of the land, somewhere land is coming out of the water. Like You must have heard of Oceania, just about uh, 3-4 years back it has been declared as the next continent, right, where New Zealand is there. So it is coming out of water, so land is coming out of water and water anyways we all have been knowing borings and tube wells and all that. Important is to understand what is the origin of rivers. I asked my kid. So she said uh, it is the melting glaciers I said okay how much of glacier is there that it is melting continuously for at least one lakh years and Ganga is flowing in the same direction and the second question is what decides you know we are uh, IT guys so typically what we uh, do is whenever there is a communication between two different stations. There's a protocol called OSPF, open shortest path first. Right? Now technically, all intelligent beings will be doing that only. Right? But why does a river flow in a specific manner? Why doesn't it go straight to the nearest sea? Why does Ganga originate from Himalayas and lands in Bay of Bengal? Arabian Ocean would have been much closer. right? What is deciding the path? The river below the soil is deciding the path for the river above the soil. Both the rivers are linked. Water is not just coming out of Gomuk. Because Gomuk if you go there, there is absolutely no glacier at all. The water is coming from within the ground. And then the entire route map is decided from what all places water is coming from within the ground. Now what we are doing is basically by making dams and adding our uh, pollution and sewage and everything to the river. What we are doing is we are choking this link between the underground river and the above the ground river. When it gets choked, when this link gets choked, the effect that we see on the surface is basically Floods and drought and rise in the sea level. Why this happens is because the capillary action works on the principle of pressure. Wherever there is a lower pressure, the water will flow from the higher uh, pressure uh, point to the lower pressure point. Okay. So if there is extreme heat on the surface, water will be pulled from the bottom and that will keep the moisture content of the soil so there will be no drought and uh, if there is, I mean uh, the the, the kind of uh, extraction that we are doing when the pressure is lower in the bottom, the water will travel from the surface body to the underground aquifer. Now, this is not one process that you have filled in a tank and you have forgotten. This is a continuous process. That is an exchange which is always going on. So, as long as this link is maintained, everything will work. So, when this link gets broken, your, the entire uh, water life cycle gets disturbed. And this is something wherein we are not working. In the name of rainwater harvesting what we are doing, every uh, concrete house will have uh, some pipeline which will take out water, the natural rain and it will go into uh, again a a drum kind of a thing which is is punctured from multiple places and that will be dumped about 2 feet or 3 feet or 5 feet below the ground and this water will go there and it will recharge now recharging of water is not something which is uh, uh, which can be uh, uh, what do you call it? segregated activity apartment by apartment it is a link which needs to be reestablished which we are not working on okay now same goes true with the water bodies when you have sludge sludge is there in the bottom the bottom is disconnected from the linkage with the underground aquifer and Till the time that link is not established, this recharge will not happen. Now, typically people come up with the idea that, okay, when we have done a desilting, it will automatically start recharge, but it doesn't happen because the topsoil is still not weathered. The beautiful part is, what we are doing is desilting of a water body. What we need to do is desludging of the water body. Because silt is a natural component, silt comes naturally wherever you, you dig a, a, a small uh, dike on the surface and you put some water, within about 15-20 uh, days you get some sort of smallest gravels which are called silt, they appear because the top layer starts to get weathered to this aquatic ecosystem. The silt is a natural occurrence which is required for establishing a link. And sludge is what we add in terms of all the chemicals that we are adding to the water. So, what's the way out? The way out is we need to go ecological. Water is alive as long as water is alive. As long as water has life, everything gets balanced on its own. Uh, One simple example is... uh, if you look at we we've had a good discussion about farming and bees and all that if you actually uh, focus towards it uh, tell me something does nature need human intervention to grow plants and animals obviously not because before human beings all of them were there right so what is so different in farming that you need so much of intervention now The chemical uh, farming came, was one of the questions which was raised, right? Chemical farming or organic farming or uh, Subhash Palikar farming, whatever kind of farming you're talking about. Why do we need to intervene from putting up the seeds, then adding pesticide and then uh, uh, herbicides and things like that? Why is so much of intervention required? It is required only because... The soil, water and air are not natural. If they are natural, they will grow automatically. When they grow automatically, let's take it this way. Uh, Everybody wants to do farming so that they get the maximum amount of yield. It is a commercial activity. Nobody is growing uh, uh, plants or uh, animals for their own consumption. If there is a dairy, they need to sell the milk. If there is a poultry, they need to sell the eggs or the uh, chickens or whatever, right? Everything is a commercial activity. Now, for a commercial activity, what matters the most? You are doing a commercial activity based on only two factors. What is your input? What is your output? What increases your input cost? The amount of things that you need come what may for growing, right? Now today what all you need, you need fertilizers, you need pesticide, you need insecticide, you need herbicide, you need hormones, you need antibiotics. And why are all these things required? Just to safeguard your crop. Now, what is the definition of health you need to understand here? 90% of people say, are of the opinion today. That absence of disease is health. No, it is not. You are as healthy as you can defend any infection that is coming onto you. So, your health is dependent on your immunity. Everybody is working on diseases, nobody is working on immunity. Now, where does the immunity come from? That is natural. You give a natural environment to any living being, it will develop its own immunity. Now, whatever microbes are coming which are infecting animals or plants or anything, they are not coming from outer space. We are creating an environment wherein they can dwell. If we drink water, we will the There are no aliens attacking from Mars or from Jupiter who are injecting uh, atmosphere with these microbes. These microbes have always been there. You must know how to deal with it. And the only way you can develop your own immunity or your plants or your animals immunity against the possible threats is you give them that natural upbringing, that natural environment. You put a human being in a 6x6 cell for 20 years of life, you think he is going to walk tall when he is released out of that cell? Obviously no. Because he did not get the natural resources which were required for growing up. If 3 kg. And when he kg. So how much it happened? We are taking three inputs from this planet. One is The air that we are breathing in, second is water and third is the food. Food, again if you go one step back, where is the food coming from? Food is coming from either plants or animals. Animals are eating the plants, so ultimately it is coming in from the plants. So, what does plant need to grow? Water, air and soil. So, ultimately when we are also growing, we need water, air and soil. Now we have killed all of them because of our activities. We have killed the water, we have killed the soil, we have killed the air. And then we want to be healthy and disease-free, how is it possible? So ecology is to restore this balance and this will start from water because water is the first element. From where the life starts. Even on this planet, the first life forms started in water, then it propagated to land. And I'm not talking about the evolution theory of Darwin, I'm talking about the evolution theory, which is very Indian, very Vedic. And that you'll find those clues because uh, I firmly believe that Indian scriptures are coded. You need to decode them. And once you decode them, you get your basic knowledge out of it. So, this story of uh, evolution starts from 10 avatar of Vishnu, start from Matsya avatar that is the first form, so that is the aquatic life, then it came to uh, amphibian which is the kachap or the tortoise, then it came to terrestrial which is the wild boar or the varaha avatar, right? that's how life propagated that is the theory of evolution the Indian way right so the first element of life is water we first need to revive water to make it alive once it is alive then it can correct its own chemistry like every living being can correct its his or her own chemistry like if you have a high blood pressure you just uh, open up your shoes and uh, you loosen up your belt and to sit in a air-conditioned room, there is a physical action which has created a physiological change within your ecosystem. Right? Every living being is a chemical factory because my emotions will change the uh, the secretion within my body. So, if I'm in a happy mood, there is a different uh, chemical being secreted. If I'm angry. There is a different chemical being secreted. So that is a chemistry which is always changing. Same goes true with water. Now, every time you fall sick, you don't just start popping up medicines. So you need to rely on the natural ecological system which is your human body and it goes true for the entire planet also. The, The moment you go ecological, things started getting sorted out. So, when the water is alive, everything from farming to uh, your economy to everything will come back in place. Now, this is how the gears of life work. All of them are interlinked, right? Initially, we talked about five elements Pavak, Gagan, Samira. I am talking about just three of them right now. Water is one gear. When water gets alive, it makes the soil ecology and the air ecology also alive. So it starts with water, moves to terrestrial and finally avian. That is the step. So here plants play a major and important role because they are in a unique position in ecology. They are linking the carbon cycle and the nitrogen cycle. So nitrogen cycle is happening in the soil and the carbon cycle is happening in the air. What leaves are supposed to do is absorb carbon and release oxygen. Carbon is then taken to the roots. Carbon is not required by the plants. It is required by the soil ecology. So they give carbon and they take nitrogen. Nitrogen is captured by the nitrogen fixing bacteria which has got no use for Nitrogen, except for doing a barter with the soil roots. Right? So, it is a barter system that is working in the ecology because there is no currency there. Now, this is how they link soil and air because the leaves are there in the air and roots are there in the soil. So, plants are linking both the ecologies together. Now, when we first revive the water to life, We use the same alive water on the plants to revive soil and air. That's how it goes. And that's how the problem will be solved. When we have the alive water body or alive water anywhere, even the drain water can be alive. right? Even the sewage treatment plant water can be alive. Because in the sewage also, 95% of it is pure water only 5% is the contaminant that is the uh, Dissolved solid or suspended solid or volatile suspended solid or volatile dissolved solid and blah 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 blah, right? Now we are worried about that 5% and we are spoiling this 95% If we can make this 95% alive that 5% will get consumed in the natural process because the the matter will get converted into life, and that is how it will get consumed. That's about uh, the living aqua ecological ecosystem, and water in when when uh, it is able to purify itself, it is already on uh, the situation wherein it has got two basic ingredients. One is the complete electrolyte balance, and second is the alive. Food chain, aquatic food chain. Now, these two things contribute towards possibly all life forms because plants need it, it works as a fertilizer and it works as a neuro immuno booster for the plants, for the animals, even for the human beings because our body is not designed to extract minerals or electrolytes out of the food that we eat. Our body is designed to get these inputs from the water we drink and two of the most important systems of our body one is the endocrine system and second is the neurological system both of them work and communicate only on the electrolytes so if this electrolyte feed is not there by default my immune system will go weak and by default uh, my nervous system will go weak so the, the response or the the mental uh, ailments like uh, alzheimer's or things like that they will grow now unfortunately all of us consistently in past about 20 years have been drinking dead water what we drink is a ro water now ro water has got absolutely zero electrolytes So anyways, that is not the subject today. The subject is to understand that water is living and if we bring water back to the living conditions, it will sort its own chemical properties and the solid properties and it will purify itself and then it will be good to use by all sorts of life forms. That's about it. Any questions? Most welcome. To read more, this is the website, cownomics.in.